Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football! And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It easy podcast and this is our third annual take it easy turkey day special welcome in everybody our first turkey day special as part of the believe podcast network we hope you are having an amazing day on this thanksgiving or black friday or just college football saturday or whenever and however it is that you may be stopping in. So welcome, everybody. I hope y'all are having a great day. We don't take days off here on the Take It Easy podcast. We got podcasts for days, especially when we have NFL football, three games worth, plus an egg bowl. Will it be Lane Kiffin's last game? Who knows? Not really important, because what I want to talk about here today on our A Block, before we swing it on over to our buddy Walter Mitchell for his picks of the week and just some good football conversation to close out a power half hour on Thanksgiving, what I want to talk about first and foremost is the Detroit Lions, because one of the great traditions of Thanksgiving for me is every year getting to post the clip from Family Guy after the Detroit Lions lose on Thanksgiving that sounds something like this. Oh, crap. Easy there. Hey, it's Thanksgiving. Shouldn't you be in Detroit losing a football game right now? Yeah, and uh, we've had the Comical Sports Instagram page for five years now, and for all five years we have been able to post that because the Detroit Lions have not won a Thanksgiving game in six goddamn years. But the Detroit Lions will try again this week with Tim Boyle up against Andy Dalton in what I can only describe as the worst football game of the entire season, and this is a season where we saw Jacoby Brissett versus Tyrod Taylor. The worst football game of the season, ladies and gentlemen, will be on Thanksgiving today. And it's kind of becoming like an annual tradition where people crap on the Lions playing on Thanksgiving, where you have like the the people gathered around the TV just pretending like they know sports being like, why do they always put the Lions on Thanksgiving? The Lions are terrible. Why don't they put good teams on Thanksgiving? And then you kind of like will be like, well, isn't it a tradition that the Lions play on Thanksgiving? And the Dallas Cowboys too, right? Yeah, but that one's capitalism. That one's not tradition. And anyways, all of that to say, 
The Detroit Lions play on Thanksgiving every year. It's a weird thing. People have talked about taking them off in the past. I am going to be the person who defends aggressively the Detroit Lions being on Thanksgiving every single year. And this is a weird year to do it, considering that the past two years we had Deshaun Watson put up 41 on the Lions that led to literally the next day Matt Patricia being fired. Two years ago, we had Chase Daniel versus David Blau play on Thanksgiving. It's been a weird run of Thanksgiving games for the Detroit Lions, but this year might be the worst of them all because we have Tim Boyle against Andy Dalton and the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving with Matt Nagy getting ready to be fired. By the way, Chicago Bears fans, y'all, whoever decided to boo Matt Nagy and cheer fire Nagy at his kids' flag football game, mwah, chef's kiss to you guys, because y'all are wiling out there in Chicago trying to get Matt Nagy gone. Don't worry, it's going to happen. It might take a little bit, but it's going to happen. They're getting ready. They just need the moment, the opportunity, even though that opportunity could have come a few weeks ago. They're going to clear house. They're going to fumigate the place. We're not going to talk about it anymore because we have a Bears embargo. But chef's kiss to the people who, one, chanted it at a Bulls game, Fire Nagy, a game in which the Bulls were playing the Pacers and were down 28 points at the time that the chant broke out at home against the Pacers I told you all the Bulls were frauds. Anyways, that happens. And on the flip side, you have the Chicago Bears playing the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to be the person who aggressively defends the fire naggy Bears playing the Detroit Lions in the worst game of the year on Thanksgiving because I like that Thanksgiving football doesn't have stakes to it. I love content more than anything else and if we can build content every single year out of either the lions being crap or the crap team that loses to the lions on thanksgiving give me the content i love it and part of this is just me as a content creator because something that i've realized over the years and we've talked about this in our oral history of the san diego chargers and just talking about my fandoms as a whole growing up in san diego and having the team leave is that I have come around to rooting for content a lot of the times. I call myself a sports anarchist. I haven't said that as much recently, but I I like to think of myself as someone who cheers for anarchy a little bit here and there uh, just for the content of it. And creating content is sometimes a fun rooting interest because you can always find rooting interest in everything, similarly to how people find rooting interest in gambling. Now, gambling seems a little unhealthier than rooting for just funny content, but you could argue that this is an unhealthy amount of content we're putting out. We're literally recording a podcast on Thanksgiving about how the Detroit Lions should be allowed to keep playing on Thanksgiving. Maybe it's a little unhealthy. Maybe 770 podcasts plus another 200 over on both the DSD podcast and the Slump Buster, etc., etc. Maybe all of that is a bit unhealthy, but at the same time, It creates content. Oh, not to mention also 5,100 memes across five years that we've had, plus the the 1,400 over on Take It Easy, plus the on the Take It Easy Instagram, plus the the extra, you know, couple hundred that we've done for the Slump Buster before. Yeah, it's a lot of content. Um, And we've done a lot of content over the years. And maybe it's a level of unhealthiness to it. But at the same time, 
rooting for content has become my rooting interest. And the Lions on Thanksgiving guarantee content. Now, you could argue that the NFL as a whole is going to guarantee content no matter what. But at the same time, if Thanksgiving didn't have football, we'd all be totally fine. Thanksgiving football is a little bit of a side piece. I remember last year I was making my Thanksgiving for the first time. Again, I'm a you know college student living in an apartment for the first time. I wanted to, wanted to make Thanksgiving. And in the background was the shitty Dallas Cowboys and the shitty Washington football team, a.k.a. the Washington racial slurs, playing for first place in the NFC East, an NFC East that would end up going to Washington at 7-9, and nine, so that one game ends up swinging the tide of the NFC East in favor of Washington over Dallas. Washington ended up winning kind of handily, but that game was really, really boring and really, really tedious, and I found it interesting that that game was still super, super exciting because Thanksgiving football is always going to be exciting. We'll have the few legendary memories. I think on the first Thanksgiving turkey or the the first Thanksgiving Turkey Day special, whatever we called it, the Take It Easy Turkey Day special. The first one we ever did, we did a top moments on Thanksgiving, and it was the Jerome Bettis one, and it was RG three against the Cowboys, and it was the butt fumble, and these are just the ones that you remember off the top of your head from Thanksgiving Day, and. I'll go to two years ago when Matt Ryan just got stiff-armed into oblivion by a Saints defender. All of that we remember, and and some of it we don't. And that's just kind of like Thanksgiving football being something that every year brings in the nostalgia train. But part of that nostalgia is crappy Detroit Lions football. It is something that always generates content. And so I'm going to be the person who avidly defends the fact that the Lions play on Thanksgiving. Not just because, as we've done with the oral history before of the Lions... The Lions are always terrible, and the few times they are good, it makes for an extra special Thanksgiving because we're used to David Blouse and Tim Boyles and Chase Daniels playing on Thanksgiving. But even on the flip side of that, you're always going to find some interest around that game. And by the way, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, so sorry for you that you have to call that game in Detroit this weekend, but it's still going to be fun for all of us Because we get to hate watch this game. Or we just don't watch it at all. At which point, your Thanksgiving moves on. Last year, because of COVID, there was no Sunday night Thanksgiving game. And the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game got pushed back to the next week because the Ravens had the COVID outbreak. And I watched, I believe it was the the Into the Spider-Verse movie on Thanksgiving. And then I went and biked around an empty college town. And that was a lovely Thanksgiving. That was a wonderful wonderful Thanksgiving even without football there was a year where Baltimore played Pittsburgh and I missed the entire game that might have been the year that Mike Tomlin tripped someone on the sideline I can't remember exactly but Baltimore played Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving's night and I missed the entire game one year it was the butt fumble like there's going to be a level of bad football that exists but no football and bad football can sometimes be the equivalent because we We cannot watch games that don't have stakes. Sometimes people have other things, but we know from football being the king of the sports landscape at this point, people are going to watch whatever is put on. And so for my personal rooting interest, I really like rooting for chaos. I really like rooting for content. And the Detroit Lions always provide it because think about it in this context. For this year's Bears and Lions game, there is going to be content no matter what. Last year, sure, the Houston Texans 
destroyed the Detroit Lions. Both of those teams ended up with top seven draft picks in the NFL draft. I know the Texans traded theirs to the Dolphins, but still. Both ended up with like two of the worst teams in the NFL. And Matt Patricia got fired the next day. That's content. A coach getting fired is content. The Lions being absolutely butt-ass terrible is content. We've made the same meme every single year for five years, and every time we bring up Thanksgiving, I bring up that meme and that video that we played earlier because it makes for incredible, incredible content, and I love it. And I love that this year of all the years, either Matt Nagy's going to get fired or the Lions are going to get their first win of the season. Do these things actually matter? No, not at all. We've embargoed serious Chicago Bears talk for the next 10 months. None of it actually matters. But I think that defeats the whole point, is that football, as a king of the sports landscape, is going to dominate all the time. And yeah, the NFL would maybe like to put good matchups on those primetime games, but they never pick the best of the best, because they know that even if TVs are going to be on, people are going to have other stuff going on. And so the NFL never, ever puts the best matchups on Thanksgiving. Yes, they only really get control over one of the matchups because the other ones are always the the Lions against the Texans and the Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills, which, by the way, that one year was actually really cool when Josh Allen like just went absolutely berserk on the Dallas Cowboys, and that was like our introduction to the Buffalo Bills. And this year it's the Raiders Again, mediocre versus the Cowboys, who are normally very good, but also very hurt going into this game. We just talked about that on the NFL Monday podcast a few days ago. All of that to say, it doesn't matter whether it's good or not because it's football. And if you don't want to watch, you're not missing anything. So I will be watching for the content of it all because Thanksgiving can be a content farm. Like we've just made 15 minutes out of here. Like we'll make 15 minutes out of tomorrow if indeed Matt Nagy gets fired on the tarmac in Detroit, which is a really, really rough way to go out is being fired at the Detroit airport. But if it ends up being that and if the Lions get their first win of the season, we'll have content content aplenty the same way we found content when the lions tied against the Steelers the same way we found content when the Bears lost to the Steelers and had that penalty at the end the same way we made content when the Bears played without or lost to the Ravens without Lamar Jackson or Hollywood Brown or Ronnie Stanley these teams always find a way to make content and bad teams sometimes make just as good of content as good teams so I am in favor of every year mixing it up and always, always keeping the Detroit Lions. You can mix up the Sunday night game. You can put Buffalo against the Saints. You can put the Seahawks and the 49ers. You can put even like great matchups on Sunday night football. But just leave the Lions in there just for the content of it all. And maybe this is just a personal rooting interest from myself. But just leave the Lions there, even if it's just for me, and even if it's just for people to bemoan every Thanksgiving. Does it make sense that the Lions play on Thanksgiving every year? No, the real reason that they did was just because it was a way to drum up tickets back in the 1960s. was like, hey, you can come watch the Lions play on Thanksgiving. That's a thing people will do because nobody's working. And it was a, it was a gag to try and generate people to come. And then for some reason, they just kept doing it. 
and the NFL made it a tradition when they merged. That's the story of the Lions playing on Thanksgiving. It was a marketing scheme at the very beginning. No one really knows that because it's not important. The Cowboys came in in the 70s and 80s and said, what if we played on Thanksgiving every year and made that our identity because we're the Dallas Cowboys and everything's bigger in America. America's team, Thanksgiving, woo Cowboys. They came in later and did it, but the Lions' original one was just, hey, what if we just play a game with a shitty team on Thanksgiving? Why not? That's the story of how the Lions came together, and 60 years later, they're still a shitty team. Would the NFL have lucked out if it had been a better team? Maybe, but the content wouldn't be as fun as every year crapping on the Detroit Lions. And I know we crap on the Detroit Lions a lot, but it's still fun content. Every now and then you get to be the winners, and we'll crap on the other team for losing to the Lions. At least Lions fans are not one of these perpetually mediocre organizations like the Bears and the Giants and the Broncos that actually think they have expectations. Lions fans know they're pitiful, and when we know you're pitiful and you play into the jokes, makes the content more fun for all of us. And then we're all rooting for you when you actually finally win, and everyone loves Man Campbell, and we want to believe that they can be good and not just have the number one pick in the draft this year and have a second 0-16 season in 12 to 13 years. But even with all of that, we still believe in you and we still want to make the, we're still going to make fun of you, but we make fun of everyone. And you guys know we make fun of you because you've been experiencing it forever. So this is my official plea to never, ever take the Detroit Lions off of Thanksgiving ever again. For as long as we shall stand, I hope that 40 years from now we're still doing this stupid tradition of the Lions on Thanksgiving and I can still make fun of the Lions for a 40th consecutive loss on Thanksgiving. So with that being said, let us cap off our Thanksgiving Turkey Day special with our picks for the day because every year our pick and pool will always pick the Thanksgiving games uh, I will not subject Walter to having to pick the Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions game, but I will be the brave soldier breaking our rule here on the Take It Easy podcast and picking a Detroit Lions football game. And I am going to select, despite better judgment, the Chicago Bears at minus three Dune Dune, lock it in against the Detroit Lions. I am all in on Bears Nation, baby. Uh, the next one, Vegas against Dallas. I do not like this game at all. I do not like it, Sam I am. Uh, I will take the Cowboys as touchdown favorites on principle of not believing in the Raiders, even if the Cowboys have all these injuries stacking up. Finally, we have the Bills, five-and-a-half-point favorites against the New Orleans Saints. Seems like everyone is betting the Buffalo Bills early and often right now. The line started at three-and-a-half, now moving to five-and-a-half for Buffalo. Seems like Vegas is hedging a little bit on this one, in which case I will take the Buffalo Bills, minus five-and-a-half, doon-doon, lock it in. I'm taking all of the favorites this year on Thanksgiving. Does that make me lame? Not exactly sure, but we're taking all the favorites this year on Thanksgiving. And now let us commence the final portion of our Thanksgiving spectacular with our friend Walter Mitchell. No matter what, we'll have good content here today, but enjoy your Thanksgiving regardless. 
this is funny now because I've gone down a rabbit hole of which other college coaching jobs did I forget were open because I didn't know that Jimmy Lake had gotten fired at Washington. And apparently yeah. it happened last week. I just didn't right. see the headline at all. <laughs> now I'm going like, right. did I miss anyone else? Are there any good jobs open? I forgot uh, I forgot about FIU firing their coach, but that's not as big a deal as some of the, the big yeah. jobs that are open right now in college football. Yeah, there's some biggies. LSU, yeah. USC, right? Yep, Florida Gators. Florida now. Yep, Florida. Virginia Tech is technically desirable. I think they've been to a bowl game for like 20 straight years. So I guess oh, Virginia Tech is okay, John. Hey, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, the we'll University see, yeah. of Miami job is going to be open real quick, which maybe means that another job will open up if they pry one of these other coaches to Miami. Yeah. Whether that's Baylor. Who's the coach or, at Miami now? Uh, it, well, for now it's Manny Diaz, but uh, the Miami fired their athletic director last week, so they're kind of – they're thinking that the new athletic director is going to bring in a splashy new coach, whether it's okay. uh, Lane Kiffin maybe, or Mario Cristobal from Oregon. Because, oh, right. Yeah. They're, those are the two names that keep getting connected to my technically haven't fired Manny Diaz yet. They're probably going to do that after next week. Yeah. That's what four or five major jobs open in one college football cycle. So it's a good year to be one of those coaches. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's getting those jobs. I was looking at the. I wondered if USC would take Pete Carroll back. That would be interesting because Pete Carroll is kind of looking at, to be fair, he did get an extension like. 12 months ago from the Seahawks. So I don't know. I think he, I think the Seahawks are still committed to him, even though this season's kind of going down the drain a little bit, but yeah, that, that'd be interesting. If you like jump ship early, seeing the writing on the wall and kind of flip to another job. I, yeah. I, I, saw, mean, yeah. I saw Doug Peterson was, was very those. troubling. I mean, With first of all, yes. I mean, first of all, I mean, I thought of getting into this, but I don't want to talk too much about the other team's woes. Um, you know, I just want to focus on the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I don't want to rub it in either on the opponents. But, I mean, they last year the Seahawks' offense was the most explosive it's been ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, Russell Wilson was I think going the first... off. Yeah. Yeah, for the first 12 games, I mean, they were right up there with in the top three of total yards and points. And, I mean, Metcalf was on fire. Lockett was on fire. But then in the offseason, they fire the coordinator, who was uh, Schottenheimer, mm-hmm. um, because of a philosophical difference. Is it, no, no, the the Seahawks still want to be a like run first team. And I'm like thinking, why your team's now built, you know, your stars are wide receiver. You've got an all-star quarterback. And I think that this is where also the Russell Wilson wanted to have some say on personnel. 
And yeah, we get the, the importance of running the football, but so then they hire, so they, they let Schottenheimer go, which I thought was bizarre. Um, yeah, they struggled down the stretch, uh, versus the Rams, but so did so many other teams. Well, the thing that I thought was interesting last year, and it was really hard to shake this for much of the season, was watching the end of the season and being like, oh, wait, Russell Wilson's playing bad. Because I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen – I'd seen Russell Wilson go through, like, cold stretches, but I'd never seen Russell Wilson play, like, bad football for a stretch of, like, five to six weeks. And I just didn't know what to do with that because I'm like – is this the is this a coordinating problem? Is this a Russell Wilson problem? Is it a health problem? I just I couldn't figure out why it was Russell Wilson was playing like bad football the final right. month plus of the season. Right. And it's been bad, pretty bad since. Um, but he obviously had his issues and wanted to be traded, or supposedly. It was, uh, it was, he, he, he was flirting with the idea of being traded. And as soon as it push came to shove, he kind of like folded on the trade request. He's like, nah, I kind of like being, I like being corporate Russell in the face of the Seahawks. I'm not, I'm not willing to blow up my good name to get out of a situation that's not, I mean, it's bad, but it's not that bad. Well, and now he's uh, talking about, he wants to buy a team. He said he wants to play till he's 40 and he wants yeah. to buy a team. And I, um, think, I think he can do it. The playing till 40 part, I think he can, he could pull it off, but I don't know if it's going to be with Seattle for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't either. I think that because the Seahawks are losing now, they might be in a prime position to draft a young quarterback. And that would be something. That would maybe, be something. Maybe rebuild. Um, yeah. And get up, you know, King's ransom for Wilson um, with another team from another team. Um, you've, hit, you've hit on the funny part of this, which is the Seahawks don't have their draft pick this year because uh, their pick belongs to the Jets in the Jamal Adams trade. Oh, good point. Yeah, well, there you go. Stuck. Well, then there you go. That might make a trade for Wilson all the more if they're planning to move on. And I, I don't know why you'd move away from Russell Wilson, but uh, he just didn't look like his, he just looked sort of down the whole game. Well, did you, did you hear what his doctor said before the Packers game, which was basically just, I'm absolutely stunned that he's able to play that quickly when he just had a pin in his hand, like two weeks ago. Right. And he's amazingly playing because Russell Wilson has never missed games in his career. And he's right. one of those, I'll play at no, at all costs type of guys, which at this point you can sit him. The season's over. If you're the Seahawks, I, I think you can kind of do what the Packers did a couple of years ago when they sat Aaron Rodgers the last like three weeks of the season because they were already eliminated. Right. I think that the Seahawks could kind of just punt on this season and let Geno Smith play if it means getting Russell Wilson healthy because three and seven, you're not really playing for anything anymore. So I'm, I don't well, know what you like do with were, that. You know, I, if Russell can play, he's going to play. And, um. You know, uh, it's just 
what was striking too is that he didn't seem interested in running at all. Like yeah. I never saw once him take off on a on a read option. If if the Seahawks were to kind of reset the roster, I feel like two pieces you could get something for. Maybe not as much as you once could, but two pieces you could get something for: Bobby Wagner and Tyler Lockett. I feel like those are two that still have some kind of value and might be good to trade to kind of reset your books a little bit. Well, I don't think you want to get rid of Lockett. He's he's their most consistent player on on that offense. And he's dynamic. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just a- saying if the shoe fits type of thing. Like you wouldn't say he's off the table. Like this is where I'm at. I'm not saying like they give him away well, for nothing, but if Russell Wilson's staying, there's no way they're trading Tyler Lock. No way. I would no want to believe that. I would want to believe that, but well, unless you think this kid Eskridge can be Tyler Lockett part two, which so far he hasn't shown. Um, I, I, wow. I mean, that would be a tough sell on Seahawks fans and on Russell Wilson. Of course. I mean, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, I, mean, I agree with you that teams would line up for him. No question. Yeah. But I, I, I think they'd probably have to get like a first round pick plus for him to move him. But at the same time, the Seahawks, this the Seahawks are in a place that we actually talked about this a few weeks ago with someone else on the podcast, which is basically like the problem with the Seahawks is everything they've done before this point. They're now just kind of living with the repercussions. And so it's just a question of if you have no cap space and you have no draft picks as a means to improve your team what do you do when you've invested everything that you have into it and you're kind of just stuck with the bad decisions you've made in the past? Do you kind of like accept that this is the case or do you like just try and pivot and do the best you can? Kind of like what the the Eagles did last year where they didn't just like lay down with the Carson Wentz contract. They said, you know what, we'll absorb a cap hit. We'll set up a team that's not really good enough to win, but we're going to get a lot of draft picks and we're not going to take this one on the chin. And that's kind of right. where the Seahawks are. It's like you already gave up your two first round picks and $80 million to Jamal Adams. You signed Bobby Wagner, you signed Russell Wilson. You are kind of just living with the decisions that you had to make in the past. Yeah. 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 I'm sure this is going to open up a, Whirlwind of speculations, lots to talk about. So, yes, because good Lord knows the Eagles want a quarterback. They they would they would give up as much as they could in a heartbeat to land Russell Wilson. But really, oh yeah, Hertz Hertz is balling big time now. Yeah, he's playing yeah. great. He's he's playing he's playing pretty well. He's playing better than I thought he would. He hasn't gone down, but Jalen Hurts. I think I think his passer rating is ranked like twenty fourth in the NFL this year. He's a he's a not well, so accurate quarterback. He still hasn't started sixth career. I mean, and you know he's getting players healthy again. Um, Goddard is back, you know, um, and uh, you know he's going to make an all star out of uh, Smith. I mean, so. I mean, I, I just think that uh, plus his mobility. I mean, Russell's not mobile like Hertz is, 
anymore. Um, not like that. Uh, you well, see the story. Kinda... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You see the touchdown uh, Hurts ran yesterday? Oh, yeah. From distance? No, Jalen Hurts is, uh, is a crazy running quarterback. I saw the, the – it was the one that got them to 40, right? Like it was – it was the very end of the game where he kind of like beat out two guys and then kind of like lunged for the goal line. Yeah. Is that the one? I mean, yep. he is balling. I, 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 I think you can build around him. I, I really Here, do. Here's the comparison. Again, like Jalen Hurts brings more to the table on that, but comparison shopping to Daniel Jones and his numbers. So Jalen Hurts – has a 61% completion percentage, Daniel Jones 64. He's got about 200 more passing yards than Daniel Jones. Hertz has touchdowns passing to five interceptions. He obviously has rushing touchdowns too. Career 19 to 9 touchdown to interception ratio. Daniel <laughs> Jones career 43 to 27. Both of them have career Actually, I've looked it up now. They both have career the exact same completion percentage daniel jones is 62.8 and jalen hurts is 61.6 so he's about daniel jones is what it seems to be he's a slightly slightly better version than daniel jones at this point i don't think very many people are clamoring for daniel jones it means he's like he's, he's a fringe level starter but i think the eagles are are trying to shoot for the moon in terms of a quarterback for the next decade right well, Jalen Hurts has been better than I thought he would be because I thought coming in was not graded that way as a prospect, just going to be a career backup. And he's been better than that. He's been good enough to be a starter on a team that I thought was designed to lose, and now they're five and six. So sure. they, they have done better than I thought, <laughs> especially Jalen Hurts. He's been better than I thought he would be at the start of the year. Yes. And they're right in the thick of it which is pretty cool. I guess they are. It's weird to think about. I guess they are technically still alive, even even if I don't think they're going to get it. They, they are technically right in the thick of it. Well, you got some components, I'll tell you. I love their running back, Sanders. I think he's excellent. And then uh, Goddard okay. and then Smith. And, you know, and their defense is pretty dang solid. Uh Oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite stats from the weekend, which is that prior to the uh, DeAndre Swift touchdown, Darius Slay had as many touchdowns as the entire Lions offense since week eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Eagles have gotten some good defensive plays this year to get points for their offense. That's Yeah, it's a fine offense. It's fine. They have. Yeah. So do you want to do picks now? And we have a... We have a wonderful break in between here. Let yep. me, uh, yeah, let me pull up the game so that we can make our picks and audio and just add it right to the podcast. Good. First up, right now, the Eagles are playing the New York football giants. They are currently three-point favorites at the Meadowlands. Eagles. 
Fly Eagles fly. You've got them getting to 500 on the season, which is, if you had told me that at the start of the year, I would have been stunned if the Eagles would be 500 going into December. Let's see. How about the Titans at the Patriots? Patriots, five and a half point favorites. I'm going to say Patriots. Patriots are rolling. They I, are rolling, and Titans are reeling. Yep i uh, I, I took a victory lap on Monday because of uh, the the Titans. Because, or I guess that would be yesterday because I recorded it yesterday. But I was like, tried to tell you, Titans are going to struggle to score points. I didn't think it would happen against the Texans, but Titans are going to struggle to score points. I felt I felt good about that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Five points is a little rich, but I'm going to stick with the Patriots. All righty. I am not going to make – yeah. Patriots are five-point – Yeah, five-point favorites at – Five-point. Yeah. Right. Five points at Foxborough. Who would ever thought that three weeks ago? (laughs) I was laughing this week. I'm like, okay, so it's going to be Patriots-Chiefs? After a one-year hiatus, yeah. it's going to be back to Patriots and Chiefs just being better than everyone. That's just how we're going to do this in football. Is the Patriots and Chiefs are just better run organizations than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Don't understand it at all. Uh, how about Sunday night football this week? The Cleveland Browns are at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are four-point favorites at home. Well, I think they get Lamar back, so I'll go with Baltimore. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield. Have you seen the injury list of Baker Mayfield's injuries at this point? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, he's got to give a, that guy a ton of credit. I I respect him. The, I respect the hell out of that. He's got a bruised foot, sprained MCL, uh, torn shoulder or torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, and he has. A or he has a shoulder injury in his throwing shoulder, a torn yeah. labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, knee injury yep. and foot injury at this point, which is yeah ridiculous. It's amazing. Yes, and then finally we have the Thanksgiving games that do not include Tim Boyle, which is the Raiders at the Cowboys. Cowboys are a touchdown favorite, and the well, you can do that one first, then we'll go to the second one. Ooh. Cowboys are t- touchdown favorite at home, and at the time we don't know whether CD Lamb is going to play with his concussion or not. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders on that. I lost on them this week, but I think they'll bounce back at least to cover. I want to believe in the Raiders, but on principle, the Raiders aren't allowed to be good. So I don't know what to do with this. I don't. I think the cow. <laughs> it's a rule I've followed for years, and it hasn't let me down. Just on principle, the Raiders aren't allowed to be good at football. <laughs> Every time you think they're good, they lose three in a row to the Giants and the Chiefs and the Bengals, and yes, and bad things happen. So, last but not least, four points again. The Bills favored at the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints on Thanksgiving night. Well, that's a fun game. Oh, that'll be really fun to watch. Yes. 
distract us from having to watch Tim Boyle versus, uh, I think at this point, Andy Dalton in the first game. Oh, right. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Um, wow. That's an interesting game. Uh, it's just so crazy. You know, so the Saints are four-point favorites? No, the Bills are four-point favorites. Oh, I'll go with the Saints then. Yeah, that would I be I mean, we just don't know what Buffalo team's going to show up. But I like the Saints' defense, and I think that they'll put pressure on on uh, Zach Allen. I mean, Josh Allen. Excuse me. Yeah, um, I, and I don't know I, what to do with Buffalo. Josh Allen is really regressed. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think this is probably closer to the Josh Allen that we're going to see than the Josh Allen of last year is going to be like a tier two quarterback, which makes him a top 10 quarterback in the league. But also sometimes will look like Kirk Cousins does where Kirk Cousins outplays Aaron Rodgers, who had a near perfect passer rating. And then sometimes Kirk Cousins is going to play really poorly and take you out of a game, like throwing an interception at the very end of a game that feels like Josh Allen is there. They're going to be high highs and there are going to be some lows. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough game to pick because you just don't know. But the fact that it's in New Orleans and uh, New Orleans is going to be, I think, pretty desperate to to win. Um, yeah, I, I, I see them at least covering. But who knows if the Bills could... You know, that it'll be interesting to see if Alvin Kamara can run against the Bills defense. I mean, um, but uh, as, as I as I thought, um, the Colts were able to do it. You were correct. I <laughs> I didn't think the Colts were that good, and now the Colts are are very good. I'm, I'm mad at myself over the analysis on that because I said I, last year when the, the Colts played at Buffalo in that wild card game, the Colts totally were a great matchup against Buffalo. Their problem was just Blankenship missed a field goal and they had like first and goal at the two and they ended up not scoring on it because they just got stuffed at the goal line. So there was a scenario where the Colts would have been up like 10 to 14 points in the wild card game at halftime against the bills last year, wow. but they yeah. ended up, they, they just had a rough break. And then right. they literally ran the exact same game plan with a new quarterback in car and basically the exact same team. I'm like, why did I see that coming? I literally did all the analysis on how the Colts should have beat the bills in the playoffs last year. And they ran the exact same game plan and beat the snot out of the bills. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I had it. I had it. I knew yeah. it. And I, I forgot about that analysis. <laughs> A few months too late, but you did have it. Yeah, no, I, I should have came back this week and said, you know, the Colts are a really good matchup. There, there's two things like that in the NFL that's always weird. The Colts are a great matchup against the Bills. The 49ers are always a great matchup against the Rams. Doesn't make sense how it works, but it just always seems to work out that way is that those two teams are great matchups for some weird reason. Right. 
Would you like to would you like to know Trevor Semyon's splits on Sunday from garbage time versus time for the Saints? Oh, I, because I watched a lot. I, yeah, it yeah, it I, was when it, it was three right. to seven. After that, Trevor Semyon was fifteen for seventeen for one hundred eighty yards and three touchdowns. And before that, he was eight for twenty three right. passing. <laughs> See, and I have I have a theory about that. I think that's um, commendable, uh, and I think that even when you lose a game, if if you sort of get things going at the end of the game, you're losing. It can carry over into the next game in a positive way. So, like for the Steelers, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that New Orleans with the playoff picture is as wide open as it is, I think that they're going to, the saints are going to really try to put, make a push. 